0: We're going to get started. So we're not going to do music today, so I'll just get right into teaching and then afterwards we'll pray and then um, do the potluck that we're doing at the end. And that, that will be part of our prayer time as well. We're going to be talking about diligence this morning. So for those of you who by chance weren't here last week or the past two weeks, what we have been talking about is hearing the voice of the Holy spirit and the importance of having a quiet mind and to be calm in the task of learning to hear from the Holy spirit better. And on that note, I do have two extra copies of the outline from, from the past two weeks. If anybody would like one, if they didn't have it, does anyone not have one of those? and would like it. Yeah. Okay. Just save that. Yep. Okay. So that's what we've been going over. And one of the points on, Having a quiet mind was about diligence. So that was the second uh, second bullet point underneath point number three on that outline, where it talks about that a quiet mind is supported by the clarity that comes through diligence and the actions that are important. And so that just kind of started the track for talking about diligence itself, which is based on the outline that I gave you guys this morning. So we're going to talk about diligence. And I basically just kind of copied and pasted my notes into this outline, but then deleted like probably 10 pages worth of notes and tried to condense some things down to this. So there's a lot of information that you could study when it comes to this topic. I just kind of gave you guys what I considered to be foundational as a starting point. And then we can go from there. And I don't know if I'm going to teach on this more. In the coming weeks, most likely I'll change topics, but like I said, this will be essential information. So it should uh, give you something to work with. The top section is just simply some really simple uh, topics regarding diligence and then some scriptures you can read about them. So I'm not, I'm not going to teach on that first section. That's just going to be for your own, your own study and your own notes. And it just simply lists all the different places where the Bible talks about diligence in different areas. So the first is just, you know, general diligence. And then as you go down, it talks about praying, obeying the word, growing spiritually, protecting your heart, studying, listening to God's voice, teaching, laboring, skill with finances, and then watching over and leading people. So those are just all scriptures that talk about diligence in that area. So you guys can look on the, uh, at that on your own time if you'd like. So where I will begin is on that uh, point number one there where it says the works of diligent and urgent people. So that's where we will begin. So I added urgency into this topic as well because diligence and urgency go hand in hand. Uh, You can't really have one without the other. The reason being that diligence is about how you work and your attitude about your work. Urgency is about the pace of that work. So if you're wanting to do something really, really well, there's also a pace you have to set for doing it. Um, And that's why urgency and diligence go together. So you could almost just have that as the first point, that diligence is how you do something and with what attitude. Urgency is the pace at which you do it. And this is a really important topic. Firstly, when it comes to having a quiet mind for reasons that I discussed last week, if you guys want to Learn about that. You can just uh, refer back to that teaching, uh, which is on YouTube. Otherwise, being diligent is something that is applied to every single area in your life. There is nothing you ever have in front of you to do that diligence and urgency is not relevant to. This applies to everything, regardless of what you're doing. And so that's why it's so important to talk about. So number one, we're just going to go through these bullet points. This is just kind of a summary here about diligence and urgency together. So, the works of diligent and urgent people. These kinds of people, first point, work hard without slowing down. This means working with energy, consistency, and patience. So, let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. It's the first scripture we're going to pull up. Hebrews... Chapter 6 in verse 11. Hebrews 6 starting in... Let's actually start in verse 10 so we get a little bit of context here. It says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So we're talking about work and labor here. Verse 11, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So regarding labor, he says that if you started doing something diligently, Continue that until the end and do not become sluggish. So that's where we get this principle of working hard without slowing down. So to become sluggish, if you look at the Greek word, means to relax your efforts or slow down or grow weary, essentially. So the first principle of diligence is that what you do, you do without slowing down. So that's energy, consistency, and patience. That's why he says through faith and patience, inherit the promises. We'll look at the second one as well. Galatians chapter 6 in verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 in verse 9 says... And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So that Greek word for lose heart there is very similar. Also means to relax your efforts, slow down, or to become discouraged as well. So he's saying, again, if you are doing good, don't grow weary in doing it. So don't get tired out, don't slow down, is the point. There's actually a few Proverbs about this, but one of the signs of laziness is giving up on something without finishing it. One of the ones that I think of first is Proverbs twelve twenty seven, that says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. So that first part is simply saying. A lazy person starts something, so they go hunting, they bring in the kill, but then they don't actually finish the job of cooking and eating it, which made it, made it wasteful. They just killed an animal for no reason at that point, right? But diligence is a man's precious possession, meaning that your hard work is precious to you because it's the means by which you provide for yourself and your household and those around you. So that's just another example in Proverbs. You work hard without slowing down and finishing the job, finishing what you start. And you've got next bullet point. So these kinds of people, diligent and urgent people, always bring gain or profit from what they do, letting no activity turn to waste. Let's look at Proverbs fourteen twenty three for that. Proverbs 14. This is a uh, biblical definition of labor. So as God views labor, 14.23 of Proverbs says, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. So an opposite of labor is idleness, which means you're not doing something productive. Labor would be you are doing something productive. And this is just a good scripture to use as a rule of thumb for what you do in life. If what you're doing is productive, there will be some kind of profit that comes from it. And this is not just monetary. It can be emotional, spiritual, physical. I'll give you a few examples. Working out, exercise brings profit to your body, right? Eating healthy brings profit to your body. Uh, working your job to make money is profit to your, your household. And that would be monetary. Reading the Bible is profit to your mind. You know? uh, healthy relationships are profit to your joy, to your influence with people, right? So just think about whatever it is that you're doing. Does this profit me or my life for the kingdom in some way, shape, or form? If it does, it is accurately in the category of what God calls labor. In other words, it's, it's good, a good thing to do. If it's idleness, there's not going to be profit from it. It will just ultimately be waste. And so it's just a, a good way of looking at things. So again, I'll read this point that diligent and urgent people always bring gain or profit from what they do, letting no activity turn to waste. Let's look at the second proverb, chapter 21, verse 5. 21, 5, we're going to look at a few times as we move forward. But it says, the plans... Of the diligent leads surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. So, this gives you two things to look at in terms of diligence. The first is that diligent people make plans. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it leads to plenty. So, diligent people have gain, they have plenty from what they do. So, we're going to look at this in the next bullet point. Or says that diligent people make the most of available available time through planning. So they plan so they can do more in less time or quickly. So Proverbs 21.5 is also on that list of scriptures in stating that diligent people plan what they're going to do and they bring gain from it. So that's that, that scripture. Yes.
1: In that. Verse twenty one five, Proverbs twenty one five. What what it was talking about hasty. What yes. was that about?
0: Yeah. So those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty is the opposite of planned and calculated work. This is like you want to find the easiest and fastest way to make a lot of money and be as lazy as you can while doing it. <sighs> that would be haste leading to poverty, right? So that's what he's talking about as an antithesis of diligence. So he's saying diligent people are patient. They make plans. They make it happen. They work hard and it leads to plenty. But if you want to get something fast without having to work hard at it, that's laziness and that leads to poverty. Right? So that would be the answer to that. Okay, so on these, this other list of scriptures here, make the most of available time. So a really good one. Uh, For this is in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, so we will look at that one. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. Love this scripture. Ephesians 5, verse 15, starting there, says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I'll read it again. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So walking is, of course, about how you conduct yourself. The Greek word for circumspectly there is the same Greek word for perfection that's used in the New Testament. It means perfect if you look at it literally. So he's saying walk perfectly. If you expand on that definition, you look at uh, other synonyms. It's talking about the precision of what somebody does, where it's calculated, precise, and exact. So in order to walk circumspectly or walk perfectly, precisely, exactly, That would mean that what you do, you do intentionally. You know why you're doing it. So there's a purpose behind what you're doing and it's precise. So the opposite of this would be a negative form of just kind of carelessly going with the flow, letting whatever happens happen, and not really being responsible with your life. That would be walking foolishly. This is talking about. Whatever it is that you're doing, you know why you're doing it and it's on purpose. That would be walking circumspectly. Then he says, be wise, don't be foolish. So be educated, know what you're doing. And then it says, redeeming the time. That means to rescue from loss or waste. So make sure that you're not wasting time because the days are evil. The days are evil there simply means the world is getting darker fast and you don't have a lot of time left. So be very careful and precise about what you do. That's what that scripture means. And that would be an example of making the most of available time through planning. When you plan, you are demonstrating that you're aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's valuable enough to plan it and be calculated. That's why that's important. And then Psalms 90.12 says, teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Numbering your days is just an example of, hey, be aware that time's ticking. Clock's running down. You don't have a lot of time left. And that should make you want to be wise. And then uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 9, Paul is very simply just says, be diligent to come to me quickly. He's talking to Timothy. Uh, he wanted a visit from Timothy and basically says, hey, do it quickly. Be, be diligent about your actions. Don't be slow with things. Make the most of the time that you have. Next bullet point here, that diligent people take initiative to do good and lead their own lives well without needing others to push them. This is another really important one. And uh, my personal favorite for this is, is the Proverbs 6 one. So we'll turn there next. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Verses six through eight. Actually, we should read through verse 11 just to get the whole whole section there. Starting in verse six says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Amen. (laughs) Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Okay. So here's how this is relevant to the point that I have written here. One of the qualities of ants, he says, is that they have no captain, overseer, or ruler, and yet, provide their supplies in the summer, and gather food in the harvest. There's another proverb that says, the diligent, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy will be put to forced labor. Basically means if you're diligent, you're going to be a leader of your own life and also of other people. If you're lazy, one of the ways it's going to be proven is that you always need somebody looking over your shoulder making you doing things because you don't do them on your own. So, he says about ants, that they do their work by themselves. They know what they're supposed to do. They don't need captains. They don't need rulers. All that they have is a queen back at home that makes babies. And, but the babies grow up and they go out and do work and they don't need anybody overseeing them. It's really that simple. They're, they're led by their, their instincts, basically, What's that? their instincts. So they have, it, we don't have to get into a whole lesson about ants, <laughs> but basically the point is that ants, ants are wired to not need a captain. Exactly. And they do it. And they do it. They do it, and it yep. And they do it well. They don't slow down. Have you ever seen an ant working? It's amazing. What they can do. If you ever want a lesson about diligence, just watch ants. It's actually quite amazing. You know, um, get a microscope if you really want to study them. Point is, ants do what they're supposed to do. They know what they're doing. They don't slow down. They don't. They don't need a captain. You know, so that's why one of the qualities of diligence, as the opposite of laziness, is that you take initiative to do good. You lead your own life well, and you don't need others to push you. So if a person is overcoming laziness, it's okay to have somebody helping you out and pushing you to help move you forward. But eventually, the proof that you've overcome laziness and are diligent is that you don't need that accountability anymore. That you do it on your own because your own discipline drives you. But it's good. If you're trying to overcome laziness as a starting point, it's good to have people around you for accountability. But eventually, you should grow out of that.
1: How you help somebody that, like, they'll start a project, and in the middle of starting a project, they go over here, and then they start a project there. And then they go over to this project, and then they start a project there, but they're never finishing any of the projects. Because I think it's a distraction type of thing. It's like, you know, have you ever gone over to clean a cupboard and, oh, this cupboard needs this and this and this, and then you... And you that's go to get the over tool, and, yeah. and the tool, you're like, oh, well, this needs to be cleaned up. And so anyway, I was just wondering.
0: It just sounds to me like a need for order and planning. You know, uh, I would just simply get whatever I can in writing in that kind of situation with some kind of checklist, something, and start at the beginning. You know, don't start something that is going to require a whole bunch of other things being addressed as well. Start with what would be the first thing and then kind of, as much as possible, go in a calculated order. You know, that would that would just be you know, practically what I would do on that type of thing. Um, so next bullet point here, that diligent people seek to abound and excel in all areas of life, not letting any aspect of life show slackness or laziness or slowing down. So let's look at, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 7 through 8 for that. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 7 through 8. Great scripture for this. Abound and excel in all areas. Starting in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 8 says... But as you abound in everything, to abound there, it means to excel in. In other words, you be really good at. As you're good at everything, (laughs) you could read it that way, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. That's where we'll stop. So he's talking about abounding in everything. He l- gives a list to say what they're abounding in already. And then he says, abound in this grace also. He's talking about their finances, if you read this in context. So what he's telling them is, you guys are really good with your faith and your speech and your knowledge, but I want you to be good with your money too. If you read the whole passage, that's what he's talking about. So he's saying, if you want to be a good example of diligence, you should be good at all areas of your life, not just one or two or three. So another sign of a diligent person is that they're skilled in every area of their life. And that's something to strive towards. It's a really good goal to be skilled in every area, including your finances. Again, is what he's talking about here. Then when he says in verse eight, testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And then he, in verse nine, he talks about Jesus that he was rich, but became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. And he's basically saying, there's other people around you who are really diligent. And I'm testing how real your love really is to see if you're going to aspire towards and strive towards the diligence of other people around you. So if your love is sincere, you're going to work hard at this because there's other people that are diligent in all areas. And I want you to be like that too. Is what he's saying. And if you, if you strive to be like that, that shows that your love is sincere because you're going to b- want to be good in every area of life so that you can help people most effectively in every area of life. And then he gives Jesus as the example that he did a lot for you and you should want to do a lot for others as well. So that's that second Corinthians eight verses seven and eight passage there. So seek to abound and excel. In all areas of life. That shows diligence. Next bullet point here. Diligent people. Do whatever is before them with all their hearts. Serving as unto. Supposed to say as unto Christ. I accidentally put an of in there. You can just scribble that out. I might have to just hand everyone a bottle of white out. In addition to the papers. <laughs> I'm going to typo every time. I'm going to watch for that. Okay. Do whatever is before them with all their hearts. Serving as unto Christ and representative of the kingdom. So let's look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24 for this. So I like how the NIV reads in verse 23, um, but I'll read both here. So Colossians, again, chapter three, verses 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, NIV says, do it with all your heart as to the Lord, back to new King James, as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. So you are serving Christ ultimately in everything that you're doing. And if you want a good shift in perspective to help you want To be skilled in all areas of life, just like we just read in the previous verse, you have to think about it a certain way. And that certain way of, or certain manner of thinking is basically that if you are skilled in every part of your life, that makes you able to set a good example and give great advice to everyone around you, regardless of their situation, whether it's their relationships, their money, their job, their marriage their mind, their emotional well-being, their education, what have you. And that makes you more effective for the kingdom of God because you're able to minister to people in all areas. And if there's anything that's important to know about the world, people who don't follow Jesus draw their sense of value or importance from other things. And if you are really good And skilled in all of those other things, that's attractive to unbelievers. Because then it shows them, okay, people who follow Jesus are better than those who don't follow Jesus at all these areas that I'm interested in. And that makes you much more effective for the kingdom of God. That's why you should want to be skilled in all areas, because it helps you be a better minister of the gospel. And that's ultimately how you serve Christ in everything. So if you want to have motivation, that should be the source. You're a representative of the kingdom of God. You can also look at it this way that, and I've I've done this a few times recently. I've just asked myself, whatever I'm doing right now, how would a person in heaven do this? Whatever it is, right? So somebody who is in heaven, they don't have any sin anymore. So if I was doing this without any sin, what would it look like? And then try to do it that way. And then you'll be doing it really well. And it can be as simple as, and I I mentioned this, or alluded to it a few weeks ago with my warehouse job now, uh, taping a cardboard box. You know, it's like super, super simple task. But I actually was complimented about it from my boss because I wanted to make sure that these particular boxes that were carrying pretty heavy products were taped well enough that the boxes wouldn't get crushed when they had weight on them. And he commented on that and told me how he appreciated that I was taping them the certain way that I was. All because I was like, how would a person in heaven do this? <laughs> you know. So it's, it's really that practical. You can apply it to everything. Um, so that's just a, a way that we're supposed to think about it.
2: Yes. If we don't use a mic, there's a dead spot in the recording.
3: I know decades ago when I was working, you know, someone said, you know, there's no such thing as unskilled labor. You either do a professional job or a lousy job, and I always remembered that. And mm-hmm. one time, um, you know, my older son's, you know, I did test, and I did give a testimony at one of his award ceremonies, that there was no such thing as unskilled labor. Every job has a skill. And I use David as an example. He was a shepherd, but the skills that he learned on that job enabled him to bring down Goliath and save his people. Mm -hmm. So no matter job, no matter what society says is meaning meaningful, unmeaningful or worthless or unskilled, that is false. Mm -hmm. Whether it's picking up litter or the skills of a brain surgeon. Every job has a skill, mm-hmm. and uh, I know Martin Luther King Jr. said that we are to to do our jobs with the same diligence and passion as say Michelangelo in what he did in painting the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you know I, I never forgot when someone said, "There's no such thing as unskilled labor." Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Yes. Yeah. thank you. That's good advice. Yeah. yeah, it's true. You can learn something from everything too. Okay, next bullet point here. Diligent people allow no delay or slackness in what they do. In other words, when they have a chance to accomplish a needed task, they don't hesitate. So you can look at this in, let's look at Proverbs 10.4 first actually. Proverbs ten verse four. Proverbs chapter ten, verse four. Says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We should also read verse verse five. Says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Slack hand is doing something slow or not doing it urgently. Diligent, of course, means doing it when you, when you have the opportunity, as soon as you have the opportunity. And that's why verse 5, he expands on it and says that if you gather in summer, so you do what you need to do at the time you're supposed to do it and you don't delay, versus sleeping in harvest is you have the opportunity to do something and don't do it. Something important, of course. And then let's look at Hebrews 10, too. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 36 to 38. This is about the urgency of Jesus, actually. Hebrews 10, verses 36 through 38 says. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. It's talking about Christ's return. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We should read verse 39 too. That we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. So verse 36, or excuse me, 37, talking about Christ's return, in the right time, or yet a little while, he who is coming, which is Christ, will come and will not tarry. His point is, when it's time for Christ to come, he's going to do it immediately, and there will be no tarrying, no delaying, no slacking when it's time for him to come. So when the father says to Jesus, all right, son, it's time to return, get your army, He's not like, all right, well, I got to pack my things and gonna make sure all this is in order. No. he just boom, he's here. The Bible says it comes like the flash of a lightning bolt from the east to the west is what Jesus said. So when it's time, it's immediately, there's no delay. and that's supposed to be an example to us in the next verses that we're to be those who live by faith and don't draw back. so there is no hesitation in what you do. If you're supposed to be or are, taking an action, and you are hesitating at what you're doing, that shows a lack of circumspection like we read in Ephesians 5. So it's it's not determined, calculated, purposeful. If you're not confident in it, you're not going to do it well. Instead, you'll be hesitating. So make sure that what you're doing, you're doing on purpose so that when it's the right time to do it, you do it without delaying. And this can be as simple as you know, going to work as early as you're supposed to, or it can be, let's say the Holy Spirit wants you to talk to somebody. You don't hesitate. You do it because every second that passes can be either wasted or stewarded well. And it's up to you to determine which of those two categories you fall into. And it's based on whether you're doing something with urgency or not. So whatever you do, don't delay. Yes. Sure, yeah. I'd love to hear testimony.
4: Okay, and in this testimony, I'm telling on myself, <laughs> which is always humbling. But I was at work Wednesday in my sewing job, and I have a boss that just challenges you. She's challenging in terms of how she gives directions or whatever. Anyway, I was working on something that was very... Uh, Tricky, sensitive, and it was like, don't get anything on it, don't, wash your hands, you know. So anyway, I worked on it, my hands were clean, I went to press it and lo and behold, there was this little tiny spot on it. And I'm like, all right, she's already screamed at me like, I don't know how many times today, I'm not telling her (laughs) that I have gotten this little spot, which was really kind of inconspicuous. And so my mind is going and I'm justifying and the whole night. So as the day went on, this was about 11, as the day day went on, I was feeling guiltier and guiltier. And then finally I was like, "Okay, I'll tell her at the end of the day, because then I can just leave and I don't have to hear her mouth. (laughs) Well, by the end of the day, she had (coughs) packaged the whole thing up to get it ready to go. For the customer to pick up the following day, I'm like, "Oh well, I I blew it." And so I left. I'm going home, and the whole time I'm home is just like, "Oh my gosh, I need to talk to this lady because I'm having this wrestling match in my mind because, you know, I'm thinking, uh, "Am I exalting man above God? Who is my loyalty to? This is a sin." Mm-hmm. I don't care how I cut it, because mm-hmm. I know I'm wrong. I need to do something about it, and I should have did it when I noticed it, mm-hmm. not six hours later. Right, delaying, right. And so, I, you know, mm-hmm. my heart is torn. The whole thing is just crazy. And so, finally, I, you know, I'm like, okay, all right. You want to hear from God? <laughs> You're hearing from God. Get busy take care of it. So finally when I got home, I called her, didn't get an answer, called the other phone, didn't get an answer, sent her a text, call me as soon as you can, no call. <laughs> and then I was at uh, another church Wednesday night with the phone on, which I never have my ringer on in service, still no call. At the end of service, the, fi- the call finally came in. And I just had to tell her, I said, you know what? I owe you an apology. And I just kind of spilled it out there because I was just like, God, I know that I have to do what you're telling me to do. And I thought to myself, if I had just addressed it right then, instead of waiting, look how much torment I could have saved myself. It was awful. So do it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> just do it yeah. quick. Even if it's... A hard thing, because I mm-hmm. think those things, we're trying to protect ourselves. And, and even with that, I was like, who are you protecting? You're dead. Mm-hmm. What are you protecting?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. amen. Yeah, great example. Real practical. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for sharing that, Dolores. That's awesome. All right, so these next bullet points, last two for this section. Uh, diligent people act so that possible good can be accomplished sooner rather than later. This is very similar to the previous point. Good example of this is Hebrews 13. Verse 19, very simple verse. Starting verse 18, he says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Verse 19, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he's saying, pray So that we'll be able to see each other face to face is what he's talking about. And he's saying, I want you to pray sooner, pray urgently so that we can connect more urgently. So apparently this applies to prayer too, that praying urgently when you have the chance to pray for something can make it happen faster. That's apparently what's being implied here in Hebrews 13. So act so that possible good can be accomplished sooner rather than later. Last bullet point, understand that time is short, or diligent people understand that time is short, and so move swiftly, awaking from laziness. Just a good one that we'll read quickly for this is in Romans 13, verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11 says, and do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake from sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Then he says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So you don't have a lot of time left. Stop sleeping. It's broad daylight. I think it's important to note also when it comes to moving swiftly, this, is, this does not mean rushing. Rushing happens when you're not planned, not purposeful, and not diligent. And so you rush to do something. But then because it's not planned, you can't do it well. You can't do it excellently. Diligence and urgency means you plan into a day, for example, what you can do to fit the most you can in that day. And in the midst of doing it, you're doing it excellently. So that's being urgent to do something well and as much of that good thing as you can. Rushing would be not planning, not being intentional or mindful and just frantically moving through things. So urgency is not rushing. Just keep that in mind. Okay, so now in this next section here, we're just going to look at, and this will be fast, just going to look at some scriptural examples of pace of diligence. And this is connected more to urgency. The pace of diligent work is referred to as urgency. One great example we have of this is Rebecca in Genesis chapter 24. You guys don't have to turn there, but you can read your Bibles on your own time. Uh, Just give you a rundown. Basically, one of Abraham's servants goes to a place to find a bride for Isaac. And the servant prays to God and says, the woman that Isaac is supposed to marry, when I go to the well and ask for water, if she offers to water, not only me, but also my camels, then that will be a sign that she's the woman that Isaac is supposed to marry. So he goes to the well. Sure enough, Rebecca says, I'll give you and your camels water. Now, typically mind you, there's with one servant, usually a camel for the man himself, and then an additional one at least for luggage, if you will. Sometimes there are more. And camels drink a lot of water. I don't know how many of you guys know about this, but they will drink one time and then not drink again for months because their humps store all the fluid. And that's how they stay hydrated, living in the desert. So when the the servant says, I'm going to ask this lady to, Not just give me a glass of water, but water my camels. He's basically saying, I want to see if this woman can work. That's what he's talking about. So Rebecca says, Oh, I'd love to water your camels. And it says in Genesis 24, 16 through 20 that she hurried to water the camels. And this is a lot of work. And they would carry this giant clay pitcher on their shoulders. And I think it would take like, I don't know the exact numbers on this. You guys can look it up, but it's, I think it's around a dozen pitchers that you have to fill. And that's a lot of water based on the size of these pitchers. And she'd have to run from the well back and forth to where the camels are being watered. So she's running. Cause it says she hasted. She hurried to fill the pitcher, fill the trough, water the camels, got it done as fast as she could. So she was a very hardworking woman. And Abraham's servant took that as a sign that, okay, this, this woman's the real deal. Right. And, So that's why I have Rebecca placed in here because she's a great example of somebody who, when she knew she was supposed to do something good, did it really well and did it in good time. She wasn't lazy about it. So she's a great example. So if you guys want to read Genesis 24, it's a great passage there. Showed her readiness to serve, I have written here. Next is Joshua, chapter 18, verses 2 through 3. I'll just read this off. In this passage, Joshua here implores the people not to slack off in taking possession of the land given to them in Canaan. It's easy once we're in the kingdom of heaven to slack in terms of fully obtaining everything won for us. In other words, once you're saved, you're like, well, I'm already saved. I'm going to make it to heaven. So I just kind of got to coast through and make sure I don't sin too much. Right? <laughs> That's a lot of people think that way, you know? And Joshua and the promised land is actually like an Old Testament type and shadow of sorts for believers because they are out of Egypt. They're saved now, but now that they're saved out of the house of bondage, now they have to enter the promised land and actually take possession of everything that was won for them. For us, that's everything Christ won for us once we're saved. So in Joshua 18 verses 2 through 3, what he tells the people is to not be lazy in taking possession of the land. And I think it would be good to actually read that real quick. So Genesis 18, it's just two verses. Or excuse me, Joshua 18, not Genesis. Joshua 18 verses 2 through 3. So they they fought a bunch of battles. They got some of the land. But in verse 2 it says, But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes, which had not yet received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? I think KJV says, how long will you slack? So again, he's telling the people, do this hurriedly, do it, do it swiftly. Don't waste time. Don't neglect to inherit what was won for you. So the, the, uh, the Israelites before this time did neglect the work, neglecting to put the work into possessing the land that God promised to them. Being diligent in pace means not ever relaxing the effort to acquire everything Christ made available to us. In other words, never settle for any certain amount of the Christian experience. Pursue everything promised to its full boundary. There's an example in Second Peter of this that says, we should just read it, actually, because it's a really good thing. I don't have it written here, but Second Peter. I'll just do this real fast. Second Peter, chapter t- uh, one, verse five, says, "For this very reason, giving all diligence." Add to your faith virtue, then he says, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. For if these things are yours and abound, there's a word about excelling in something again. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Skip to verse 10, he says, Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. His point here is that, hey, you have faith, you're saved, that's good. But work hard, that's diligence, work hard to have all of the qualities in your life that God wants in your life, not just the faith enough to be saved. Once you're saved, there's more to it. And put work into obtaining those things. That's what he's talking about. And that, of course, is illustrated in that story with Joshua. So again, pursue everything promised to its full boundary. Full inheritance. Amen. Then he talks about David. This is the, or the Bible talks about David here. Next bullet point. Psalms 119 verses 57 through 60. This one I would like to read as well. Psalms 119. Verses 57 through 60. 119 verses 57 through 60. He says, you are my portion. O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. That's quite the lofty thing to say when you think about it. I told God I would do what he said, (laughs) right? Then he says, I entreated your favor with my whole heart be merciful to me. According to your word, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. Then he says, verse 60, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Think about if people approach the word with urgency how they would live. When the, when the Bible says to do something, they don't go, okay, I'll do this maybe at the end of the year when I fix all these things first. Walking with haste or acting with haste to, to keep his commandments means when the Bible says to do something, just do it. Don't delay. Approach the word with urgency is the point that's being made here. So what I have written is that Here, the psalmist speaks after having said that he would keep God's commands of performing the commands with haste. In other words, do not delay to obey the word. It's a good thing to highlight. Do not delay to obey the word. Okay, this next one, this is about Jesus. A few different examples here. I won't read these examples. I'll just kind of give you a paraphrase of them, but about Christ. Jesus' ministry is marked by swiftness and urgency. Jesus always began the next work immediately after the other, and he did not take days for a break. After finishing work in one city of Galilee, he arose early in the morning, prayed, and then immediately had his disciples follow him in travel to the next city. This is urgency and good pace. Jesus did not take vacation days during his travels or works either. Everywhere was an opportunity to work for the kingdom. So if you look at Jesus' life, those examples I have written there, that I've cited is where you can read about this. Every single time Jesus would finish preaching in a city and say, all right, guys, let's go to the next one. And in fact, he was so urgent about doing the work of the kingdom during daytime when other people were awake that he made sure he traveled at night. This is another thing that I found interesting Most of the times where it says he would get in a boat and cross the sea, he would do it at night. And that's why he would sleep in the boat, because he didn't want to waste daylight by traveling during the day when he couldn't talk to people. So he would travel at night when everybody's sleeping, so that by the time he got to the other side, it was daylight and he could start working again. So he really did not waste any time, and there's no vacation days in his ministry. He was always doing something for the kingdom, always brought value out of every circumstance and situation he was in. And uh, so those examples cited there in in the gospel of Mark are good ones to read uh, as an example of how Jesus lived. Then we have Paul, Acts 16, verse 10. This one I do want to read. It's real short. Acts 16 in verse 10. Paul has a vision that a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is one of those verses that sometimes you read over, not realizing what it's saying. They're trying to find out where they're supposed to preach the gospel. Paul gets a vision. As soon as they can, they're moving they're not delaying immediately it says we sought to go to macedonia again no delay we also see this in jesus ministry if you have direction act do not wait or delay for any reason unless necessary and you've got another example of paul 1 corinthians 9:24 this verse says all run in a race And then he tells us, run, or all who run in a race compete for a prize. Then he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. So he's comparing your life in Christ to an athlete running a race and says, you are in this race and you're supposed to be running like you're actually trying to win the thing. Which means you got to be the fastest person running if you want to win, win, excuse me. So, written here, I have here we're, we're told to run like we want to win a race. This requires being the fastest, but speed is something that is built through training. The ability to sustain progressively faster or progressively harder work is something that must be developed over time with commitment. However, we should make it our goal in everything we do to increase our su- sustainable pace to that of a first place runner, to be the best, the fastest, the strongest. This requires pushing the body beyond its limits. So when you work, if you're going to grow, you must each time push a little harder. So think of life like an athlete trying to win a race. The goal is to be the fastest. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than they all. That's Paul's way of saying, I worked harder than anyone. And that's the attitude we're supposed to have. And that's a show of urgency. Yes? Yes.
1: Okay. Um, well, I have run in races, and honestly, my two goals are to finish and not finish last, um, which is quite the opposite of our spiritual goal in life. Yes. From what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just wondering, like, is it still like, is there anything wrong with having that attitude when running an actual real race, like, well, or should I really train hard and action?
0: In it to win it. Well, it depends on your motive and your purpose. If your purpose is, I want to finish a marathon, let's say, if that's I what it was. Done. Yeah. If that's your purpose and that's what you planned to do, then you do that well, which means you just finish. Um, but if you're applying the principle of scripture, which is to do whatever you do as unto the Lord, then you simply got to ask yourself, you know, how would Jesus run this race? How would a person in heaven run this race? A person in heaven doesn't have a, a body that's decaying from sin. So they're probably not going to tire out very fast. <laughs> so you probably will run like you're going to win, you know? So it's, it's up to you. It's not, it's not wrong. You know, um, you just got to ask yourself your motive, I would say. But yeah, yeah. Okay. So then we got Peter, a couple examples here. Second Peter one, five. We read that add to your faith virtue. He goes down the list. In order to grow in the faith and come to the place where we are cleansed of all sin and blameless in our lives, we must give all diligence, he says. Put all the hard work into something that you can The Greek word is spude, which means to use speed, eagerness, or haste. Diligence itself is a word of attitude that refers to one's eagerness to finish a task. One who is eager will want to move quickly but yet they're patient with the results of their actions as they come in their proper time. Your job is to be eager. God's job is to bring the outcome as he pleases. If you're rushing, you're not going to be content with the results. You'll be impatient. Eager means you want something. So you're working hard at it, but you let God decide what the outcome is going to be and how you'll be rewarded. Next example is 2 Peter 3 verse 12. This says, looking forward to this and hastening to the coming of the day of God, is what that scripture says. So what I have written here is that we're to live with haste unto the coming of the day of God. Christ says he is coming quickly. That's in Revelation a few times. So that means we should also move quickly. We must be urgent in our matters to accomplish as much as possible in a day that there may be no waste and maximum fruit from our efforts. Move with haste. In other words, move as if you don't have much time to finish as you won't get the desired r- results unless you move fast. Move as if you don't have much time to finish because Christ is coming quickly, he said. So think of it as if you don't have a lot of time. That's about hasting under the coming of the day of God, according to Second Peter 3.12. Okay, so here's where we get to the conclusion if you sum all of this up into just a few sentences, that's what this bottom part says. Three points. Number one, diligence means doing everything that you do excellently as though serving the son and representing the kingdom of God. Urgency means doing as much as you can, considering that there is little time left. Diligence and urgency combined if you think about it practically, means rising early in the morning, planning and scheduling to pack in as much as you can in a day, and lastly, doing everything to your fullest ability. This doesn't mean there's going to be a ton of planning and scheduling every single day that you wake up, but the point is you rise early enough to finish what you plan to do, doing as much as you can. Do it to your fullest ability. And if you live your life like this every single day, Proverbs promises you will abound. 2 Corinthians says you'll excel. Proverbs says you'll have plenty. It says you'll be rich in every area of life. So this is you know, rich in faith, rich in knowledge. This also applies to money as well. You have an abundance for every good work is what 2 Corinthians says. And if there's anything... That we should want to excel or abound in. It's definitely a kind of life that's serving Christ. Because we want to do everything representing his kingdom. So do what you do well. Do as much as you can. And plan to make that happen. That's urgency and diligence combined. That's the conclusion. Any other questions? Comments about anything?
2: I was thinking about that scripture where it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And you've, say, in in the area of finances, you've heard the word for maybe decades about managing your household well and the like. Mm-hmm. But you never did it, and you're still struggling financially. Um, kind of bouncing off uh, Dolores' story, isn't it? like way harder because your heart is hard. You've heard it and heard it, but you've never done it. How would you start doing it if your heart is hard in that, to that scripture?
0: Well, it depends on how hard we're talking. Because it's possible to be hardened to a point where you won't obey anymore. But for a person who does still have a possibility, it's simply a matter of, as a starting point, having people that will help push them because that's kind of like the scripture we were talking about earlier about a lazy man has to be put to forced labor. So a person who's trying to overcome that laziness or they still have that that hardness of heart will have to have people around them pushing them uh, to move forward in that direction. And they will have to be able to calculate actions they can take to start making progress in an area. Uh, and they would have to be reminding themselves of what, what the scriptures say as well. But I think the most practical step would be to, people have to get around that person and, and help them.
2: That would speak to uh, if anyone, any man is caught in any trespass, right? Mm-hmm. So if they were trapped right. in a debt cycle for many, many years, right. they're caught.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it tells the church to restore that person, right, in that same passage. So when somebody's caught, trapped, he says the church needs to get in there and help them out. So that, that's why we need people around us. Yeah, any more questions? Yep. Comment? Sure.
1: I just wanted to, um,
0: it's on.
4: I just wanted to say, um, so when it comes to diligence and urgency and things like that, or like
3: as you compared it to a race, mm-hmm. do you think that it is helpful, like, because you um, – when it just comes to like you know normal races and stuff like that, they said think think and move as if you already won. So do you think
4: that would be a good thing to apply in a different aspect?
0: Yes and no. Um, an explanation of that would be yes in the sense that Second Corinthians says in Christ we always have the victory. So yes, the battle is won in the sense that there's not some threat that is too great for Christ to defeat because he has already defeated every foe. So in that sense of assurance and confidence, yes, you can think that way. But no, in the sense that if the attitude that you've already won means that you don't need to work hard, then that would be negative. Because then that's just condoning laziness, which is not good for you or anyone around you. Um, So in terms of salvation and the enemy being defeated, yes, you've won. But in terms of this life, we do have to run through it as if we're going to, we want to win. Run in such a way that you would obtain the prize. No, Paul says so. Yeah. Did you still have a, a question, Kelly, or a comment? Yeah, go for it.
1: I know we're supposed to have questions and not comments. Um, but the last bullet point about kind of the sense of urgency, like time is running out, Mm -hmm. I got like this really wonderful analogy for that that I wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: So it's like if you've ever done an escape room,
1: you're given one hour to solve all the problems and to get out. Um, And usually what happens is the clock starts ticking, and everybody runs frantically all over the room because they're like, ah, time's running out. But really, you have to group. You have to, like, come up with a plan, like you said. Mm-hmm. This, like, is a wonderful analogy for, like,
0: your whole It talk. is, yeah.
1: So you have to gather together. You need to kind of make a plan, kind of delegate. Okay, we'll work on this area. You work on that one. There's no time mm-hmm. because the clock is ticking for idle chit chat or just messing around. Like, you have to be on task. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, like, an escape room is almost impossible to finish with just one or two people. Like, I've tried it with one other person, and we never finish. You need a group. We need each other. This isn't a solo race mm-hmm. or a solo journey. Um, and we have to work together mm-hmm. in order to accomplish it before time runs out.
0: Yep. Yep. Amen. Yeah. It's a great analogy. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, probably more like a comment because I think sometimes looking at some of the things that we have been studying and you look at your life and there's like this huge gap Yeah. <laughs> like where do I start because so much stuff is out of order or whatever and I would just say just start mm-hmm. just start it mm-hmm. might be the start with the simplest thing Mm-hmm. get that under your belt, then take the next step. Yep. Because I think sometimes it's just easy to get overwhelmed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Jesus said you have to be faithful with little first before you'll be entrusted with much. So it's the little things that you have to start with. And that's actually what God wants you to be faithful in first because you can't be except, except, can't be expected. Excuse me to excel in greater things. If you can't start with the little things, the, the little things matter in order to graduate to greater things. Uh, if you think about like spiritual growth in general, we have the potential to grow way, way faster than most Christians think. Most Christians think this is some grueling journey and maybe you'll break major habits in a couple decades maybe if you make it to 40 50 years of being a believer that you'll be different but jesus and he's of course is a perfect example but with his teaching and all those main teachings we have in the bible he took his disciples from fishermen tax collectors zealots to doing the same works that he did and some in three and a half years. So that's, that's, that's perfect training. Okay. Cause Jesus was the one doing it. You have all his words. So that's a really good starting point. <laughs> you have scripture. If it, if we were like, I was saying earlier, if we were applying urgency to obeying the word, you would grow leaps and leaps and bounds way faster than then you think just like, uh, as an example of something that I've been experiencing the past, like few months, this is just one, one of a handful of things that I wanted to focus on in my life, which is learning to hear the Holy spirit better. And that's, you know, what we, what I was teaching on the past couple weeks, it's been like maybe six months, I would say a little bit less than that. And I knew I'd, I wanted to excel in this area. And when I started, when I would get up in the morning to practice this listening, like the the stillness and you know meditation type stuff that I've been talking about, just started practicing it at the starting point. I had a really hard time staying awake. I'd fall asleep all the time. I uh, felt like I wasn't hearing anything. It was getting frustrating, but I just kept going. And every morning I kept getting up. I'd miss a few days here and there. I'd feel bad, but I'd keep going. It did get better. And now... In, looking at where I'm at now, I can, you know, sit down in the morning and without dozing off at all, have that listening time for two hours, sometimes, um, be able to hear full sentences, um, tasks that can apply to my day. Uh, one example was yesterday morning. I clearly heard I was supposed to go to this store in my neighbor, neighborhood called North End Hardware. And I heard I was supposed to go at 11.30 a.m. and that there would be a person there that was going to be rummaging through her change to pay for something and that I was supposed to pay for her, specifically told I was supposed to pay just enough to cover her items and not hand her any more cash. Happened exactly like I heard. Exactly. Down to the minute. And, um, you know, woman in the hardware store, she had, like, a little fanny pack, and she was, like, pulling, like, crumpled up dollar bills. And her item was, like, 30-something dollars. And there's a little bit of a line, and I was standing right there, and I was like, okay, this this is exactly what I was supposed to do. Um, yeah, so I was able to pay for her item, and then she had a friend with her. So her and him, I, they also wanted... Uh, to get lunch. So I took in bottom lunch and was able to share some of the word with them and hear about their lives, get their contact information. And now I have a new relationship started for the kingdom because just learning to hear from the Holy Spirit. And this was on a Saturday doing from some free time that I had, right? So commitment is really, really important. It'll be hard with things at first, but if you stick to it, and with urgency, obey the word, you're going to make a lot of progress and you don't have to be 40 years stuck in the same place, you know? So have people around you who will encourage you, you know, you know, put work into this and it, it works. It really works. You'll grow. It just takes time. And and focus and you'll grow. So that's what I'll finish with. Um, any final questions or comments? Okay. So let's pray. And I'll, I'll also... Pray for the food too. And then when we dismiss, just you guys can, um, we have some a few things that we'll get out of the fridge too. But yeah, find, find a plate and you guys can just get started. Um, but I want to take like 10 minutes here to pray. So anyone who, like usual, who wants to add anything in prayer, you, you can. Um, and go from there.